What connects us is infinitely stronger than what separates us. Together, we will explore connection in all its forms and how feeling connected to ourselves and the world around us is the bridge to fulfillment. Welcome to a new frequency. Welcome to Wavelength. Hi, everyone. So nice to see you all and so exciting for us to run this podcast live. Um, I'm here with Ziggy and Erica and um, yeah, we're excited to have this conversation with all of you. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about Wavelength for those of you that are new to this podcast. Um, Ziggy and I met a couple of years ago now, even though it feels like a few lifetimes ago. And really the basis of, of our bond and our connection as friends was that we loved to have these really big conversations about life and meaning and fulfillment. And so this podcast was really a, a natural evolution of the kinds of conversations that we would just have through our friendship, where we thought, let's start to record some of these conversations. Let's start to share them out. And so podcast, this podcast was born at the start of the year and we thought, what is the essence of everything that we love to talk about? And we realized that it was connection, that even though we teach yoga and meditation, even though we talk a lot about different philosophies and spiritualities and about psychology and, and how we live with, with fulfillment and, and well-being in our lives, when we distilled it down to what is really at the essence of all of that, for us it was connection. And so this podcast so far in this first season has explored the hypothesis that connection is the bridge to fulfillment. So whatever makes you feel more connected, whether it's more connection to yourself, connection to each other, connection to your work, to your passions, to nature, when we feel that we are in a moment of deep connection with something that is important to us, we realize that we become bigger we become bigger and we get dropped into a really powerful experience that, that we are very curious about. And so even though we teach about it and share about it every day, our curiosity to continue to explore it led to the beginning of this podcast. And interestingly, in this year where COVID has been such a, a, main, um, a main, I guess, thread that has connected us globally across the planet, uh, we've realized that this work is more important to us than ever. In fact, the beginning, the first um, seven episodes of this podcast, season one, uh, were all filmed over Zoom. <laughs> so we were literally separated physically from one another whilst talking about connections. So <laughs> that was an interesting experience. Uh, and so today it feels like an absolute celebration, as you would have read uh, in, the, in the ticket link that we sent to you guys. It's an absolute celebration for us to, to be recording this final episode of this season one, uh, when we actually get to be together, <laughs> where we get to be... Cheers. Yeah. <laughs> where we get to be in conversation um, in, in person. Uh, and yet to be able to invite you in over Zoom to be part of this, now that we've normalised being able to gather from across different corners of the globe uh, to share what is important to us, to share what is meaningful for us. Um, so we want you to be part of this conversation. So we'll talk for a little while, about half an hour, 40 minutes, generally how long our podcasts go for. Um, but if you have questions that come up so you don't lose them, maybe type them in the chat um, in the 
in the little chat function uh, and we'll come back to them at the end so that we can really either, some of you can ask your questions and, and we'll respond to them um, or at least we have your feedback and, and you're part of that conversation. Um, I think that's it for now. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, on top of everything you said, that's how we've ended up here with Erica as um, Erica and I have been friends for a few years now uh, and we have a lot of those conversations ourselves and um, we're going to look at a few ideas that we've covered a lot uh, in a lot of conversations but is also uh, something that I've always found really, really inspiring and Erica as a person I've always found really, really inspiring and um, yeah, we're going to look at that idea of connection and specifically around work and, and life and how those things intersect. Um, I'll give you guys a bit of a background about Eri, which is going to feel really weird reading about you <laughs> on a piece of paper, but we'll do it anyway. Um, Erica has been involved in various business ventures over the last 10 years, from agency to beauty, hospitality to publishing. Her work has succeeded internationally and failed locally. These are her words. <laughs> That's not me. <laughs> um, after stepping down from her role as co-founder of Frank Body in 2016, she is currently founder and head of Fluff Casual Cosmetics, a brand trying to do better, telling the world that beauty is more than makeup. She credits her learnings to a philosophy of kindness and curiosity, integrity and intention, patience, persistence and resilience. And really when we talked about this podcast, we came down to four main points that we thought we would work through and work with while we're having this conversation, the three of us. And the first one is what you do is who you are. And so I guess the best way to start is, what are you doing <laughs> at the moment? Uh, it's funny because, you know, I can answer that in two ways. And one I could say is that I have a beauty brand or I sell makeup online as a D2C business. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, it has nothing to do with that. And it like all comes down to connection, which is why I'm so drawn to what you guys talk about. And it's like I have always been drawn to people and understanding how they think, how they act, why they buy the things they buy, why they connect with brands and how they communicate with each other. And Fluff is just a vehicle for me to talk to people and raise awareness within this beauty industry that I felt really disengaged and disheartened with mm. over several years. And for me, it was a challenge to try and be better myself and do better and set a standard for the industry um, and find fulfilment in the, you know, eight or so hours a day that I commit to work because I really believe that it says a lot about you and there are a lot of people out there going to work and closing the laptop at the end of the day and that's it, which is, it's fine, it's, you know, everyone's own choice. But for me, there's, there's no separation. Like, it's such a big part of who I am and I love that about my life. Mm. And can you say more about, you know, dissolving that line between what is work and what is life? If, if you could speak to that, how do, how do we begin to do that? Like, how do we begin to bring more of ourselves, not just in the hours outside of nine to five, but also bringing that into who we are, whether we work in an, in an organisation or mm. whether we start an organisation and, and we're the founder of it? Yeah. So I guess I want to, like, have it, this whole conversation <laughs> is, like, I'm in that struggle. Yeah. Like, I am in by no means, you know, at the top or fixed. I get pulled back mm. into that challenge. Mm. Um, but I have kind of come to this conclusion that I'm sort of not seeking this balance between 
you know, work and life, it's just really like accepting the flux of it and knowing where I put my energy at one point in time. Sometimes it's all in at work. Other times it's like I need to be there for my friends or my family or my relationship. Other times I just need to go in to me. And so like my biggest current challenge is sort of just like dissolving the stories I tell myself or these ideas around a certain outcome. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still very young. You know, I've I've spent 10 years in the industry, which is a long time, Mm -hmm. and I've done a bunch of different stuff. But by no means is like my story done. Like there's a Mm -hmm. lot for me to figure out and work through still. Mm-hmm. So I think the conversation I was even having today was just like <clears throat> how I accept that process, sort of surrender to it in a way mm-hmm. and be okay with the learnings, not see them as failures. Do you feel like it makes it almost harder for you given that you've had what like previous success in the work that you've done that everyone's like, oh, she's got it. Like she's got it completely figured out and they almost put you on a pedestal in that sort of way, whether it's friends, people watching this, Um, investors whoever it might be and they're like oh this is totally sort of inside you're like what is going on yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so there's definitely external pressure but the biggest pressure comes from myself um my last business frank body grew exponentially like it probably experienced the growth that a typical business would experience in 10 years in two years Mm. And so set my expectations crazily. And yes, we worked hard, but it was one of those brands. It was the exception to the rule. But for two years, that was all I knew and all I saw. Mm. And so starting fluff or starting from scratch again, like choosing to leave Frank Body because it didn't, something didn't fulfill me. I don't even know if I at the time was aware of what wasn't being fulfilled, but just something felt wrong. Mm. Um, And then choosing to start again and then choosing to bring on investors and take on all this responsibility thinking I had a lot of experience thinking I knew so much and then now three years into fluff realizing how little I know Mm. (laughs) or how much I've just learned in these three years so I kind of feel like I'm just at this new beginning right now Mm. and I would have done a lot of things differently but that is my story and I need to accept that and sort of see this as a each like day as an opportunity and has that sort of surprised mm. you like the learnings you've had through fluff has that been a surprise to you that you thought you had more figured out or you knew more yes it's been incredibly humbling <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know as you're talking like what stands out for me is that we can be our own harshest critics right and we can see things that didn't go the way that we planned as a mistake and yet it feels like a fundamental truth to me that there are no mistakes like when you have an attitude, a growth mindset, then you realize you're either succeeding in what you set your mind to, to achieve or you're learning. And, and I think that's a really powerful thing to underline in this conversation that part of what makes you powerful as a successful person is that every time something doesn't go the way you want, you're learning from it, you're yeah, adapting, yeah. you're responding. Mm. And that feels almost like an extension of you and that feels relevant to like your first point of 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 what you do is who you are it feels like if if you're someone who's always interested in growing then you'll bring that to your work you'll Mm. bring that to the businesses that you create you'll bring that to your relationships to your friendships Mm. Uh, and so like suddenly that word growth really stands out for me as something Mm. 
that's really important yeah. to be invested in in growing rather than being perfect yeah and I like I liken what I have been going through over the last three years as growing pains hmm. do you know what I mean but yeah. in theory this idea of mistakes and learnings as opposed to sort of failures it sounds right and you want to be like yes every mistake it's just something to learn from but feeling that like experiencing that is very different like it's quite a struggle and I can give people all this advice but sometimes taking my own advice is the hardest thing um, so that's this sort of struggle that I'm constantly in um, but I think it's a part of it mm. you know who knows mm. how I feel when I'm 50 or 60 yeah. <clears throat> and I want to come back to something you said about when, when you said you were at Franklin there was a feeling of you didn't even rationally know what it was but a feeling of like this isn't what I want to be doing I need to move over here or whatever and um, something that Izzy and I love to discuss and look into is the idea of whether it's intuition or insight or whatever mm. it might be and I know through conversations we've had that that plays a very big role in how you make your decisions yeah. and, and the work that you do. Um, and so what as an experience is, what does that feel like to you when you're in a certain, a certain situation where maybe you look at numbers or you look at you know your pros and cons or whatever it might be or strategy and you're like, this seems to make sense but everything in me is actually telling me to go this way. Mm. Um, and I would love to hear you talk a little bit to that because mm. just because I know me it's too. been so big for you. Yeah. Well, I, you and I have these conversations a lot, and that's why I think we're like, we should have these conversations at large. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, my like gut feeling or intuition, I struggle with knowing whether it's the, like, uh, the right thing to do or if it's a fear. So it's yeah. like, it could be anything from like, should I put all of our capital towards this product? Or should I hire this person? Or mm. should I you know go down this one path with this message and my gut feeling might say no and what I'm trying to understand is it like is it because it's wrong or is it because I'm scared of it mm. being right yeah mm. um is that's really difficult for me and I try and like bring in as much information I can and I now am really like figuring out who am I like trusted people that I can talk to who know me really well and who can challenge me like I, I sort of look for people to tell me not to do things so that I have to try and convince them of why I should do it mm. and in convincing them I, I actually like convince myself mm. um but it's difficult and the way that the world is set up now it's like it's it's primed for growth and it's primed for moving really fast and then my last experience in business was very fast and it was all geared around growth yeah. and financial gain and so going against that or just even putting the brakes on a little bit and going slower feels quite wrong for me mm. in a way or just not what I'm mm. used to I sort of program myself to think the opposite way so this is fluff is very much an unlearning for me yeah mm. uh, yeah and you know, I'm, I'm newer to really knowing the fluff, the fluff journey, but it sounds like you decided that something is important to me. Uh, I want to create a, a beauty brand that is different, that breaks the mold of, of other beauty brands that are out there. And that is something that was an innate, an innate feeling that bubbled up in you. You know, as we talk about like, how do I follow intuition? Do I know if it's fear? Do I know if it's my thoughts? Do I know if it's truly this, this? Um, powerful force called intuition you know for me intuition is something that we feel it's like a knowing mm. that, that dawns in your body rather than a decision that you've made by by weighing up the pros and cons 
And there's something really powerful in saying, you know, tell me that I'm wrong and then waiting to see how it feels, waiting to see if there's a push or a pull. And if we just allow ourselves, you know, that's what that fearlessness is about to me. Mm. It's not I have no fear in making decisions, but as I'm drawn towards something, as there's a charm towards going in a particular direction, whether it's a product or an idea or, or, or a person that's working in your business, as you get pulled there, in hindsight, you look back and you realize that was the right decision. Yeah. But when we give ourselves that permission to feel and act from that feeling, eventually we do become a bit more fearless. Yeah. Well, I said to you guys sort of earlier tonight that <clears throat> I have a lot of fear in me mm. about a lot of things. And in the lead up to decisions, I'm scared of the outcome. I am scared of failure, but I'm trying to normalize or rationalise the idea of, like, so what if something fails? Like, that is an outcome that could happen. Yeah. But it's, you know, it's separate to me. So while I can say to you, like, what I I do is who I am, like, fluff is a huge part of me, but it's, like, it's not everything. You know, I stand by it. There's so much integrity in what I do. I believe in it. Like, I I feel more connected to my job now than I ever have. Mm. Um. But if it failed, that doesn't mean that I have failed. Yeah. You know, there's so many reasons why something could not work. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said as well for the, there's the fear of something going wrong. And, but there's also then the fear of never having acted as well. And, you know, of regret, of regret of like never actually saying, you know, never actually putting into, um, putting into play, putting into your life, the things that you desperately want to do. And then all of a sudden you're, 60 or 70 and all you've got is regret when you reflect on it and and as you alluded to at the start there's there is mistakes and learnings to be had but also um the great potential of what it could be um which i think really leads us into the second major point we wanted to talk about which was the hard thing about hard things (laughs) um very designed or talked we talked a bit about the the points and they're all four of our favorite book titles so um if you recognize them that's why and I know quite a bit about fluff. I'm sure a lot of people watching this do. And I remember a conversation with you maybe two, two and a half years ago when it was really in its infancy. And, and you basically saying something along the lines of, you know, how do we use a, uh, a beauty brand to get girls to think differently about beauty? And almost like how do we use a makeup brand for girls to start wearing less makeup? And how do we mm-hmm. use social media for people to change mm-hmm. their relationship with it and almost start using that less? Which I remember mm-hmm. hearing and being like, that sounds like the hardest idea you could possibly come up with. (laughs) Yes, very backwards business. (laughs) Very backwards. Um, And I would love to hear you talk a little bit about the values around beauty and around connection, whether it's in the form of social media and that sort of thing, and what is so integral to you and then subsequently to Fluff as well. Yeah, I can just tell you about what's hard about Fluff or what we're doing (laughs) and... Um, I think when I set out to create fluff, like, I mean, I'm not obsessed with beauty. My background isn't in beauty. I'm a writer and I fell into the beauty industry by writing for other brands and then had a successful beauty brand, wasn't fulfilled, decided to leave and then thought, I could do this again. There's another brand in me. Mm. And I was primarily led by I can create a cool brand and I was a little bit disengaged with what was out there. It wasn't connected to any other brands and I'm like I think I can do this better Mm. and so I have this naive optimism of just throwing myself into a lot of different industries and tasks and and jobs Mm. or careers and so did that and then 
the, the time between leaving Frank and starting Fluff, so much changed in social media, in the industry. There was so much more competition. There was the algorithm introduced on Facebook. Like, it wasn't the same. And all of a sudden, I found myself, like, realising what was involved in running a company and creating beauty products and creating better beauty products. Mm, it was a lot. Like creating the mould. And then, But then I was like... Fuck, I didn't even care about this stuff to begin with. And yeah. now I, I, I have to, to care. Like once you are opened up to sort of the industry that you're in or the impact in producing something, it's like how can you turn a blind eye? Yeah. You know, if you have any sort of connection to yourself or the world, it's like you, you just you can't ignore that. Mm. Um, kind of like an awakening a little bit is what you're talking about. For sure. Yeah. And, but then that's the hard thing. You're just like, wow, I have gotten myself into this. Like I have made my bed. I have to sleep yeah. in it. Um, and so we made a lot of decisions up front, which we have in the last, you know, especially the last year, been like, how do we fix some of the decisions we've made? Also because, you know, we were lucky we raised money, but we raised a small amount of money. And doing business in 2020 costs a lot yeah you know and so I'm sort of in this constant struggle of you know trying to work from the ground up or do a grassroots approach but then exist in a world where it's just like fast fast money money Mm. um and that is the hard thing that it's going to be a long hard journey for us Mm. yeah and the word purpose keeps like pulsing in the back mm. of my mind as you're talking because it feels like that's what cuts through the hardness for me and so I'm curious what your experience is for me when I have something pulling me when when there's something that I care about when there's a message that I, that I care about when there's work that I care about it helps me get through the tough bits it when we fall in this quicksand personally or professionally in our lives where something is just like difficult and pulling us under the thing that gives me strength to pull myself back out is that it means something to me yeah and so the fact that you've created this business yeah you know when you say like oh, I had another brand in me right I think it mm. it it doesn't quite um you know it doesn't quite capture the fact that you're on a mission mm. <laughs> that there's a there's a mission in you to to not only impact how girls or people see makeup and beauty but how they see themselves mm. and that's that's something that is, is extremely inspiring to me and you know when we even look at your social media as just an example you see that it impacts people's self-image mm. Mm. And that work supersedes anything that someone can buy. Like that to me feels like purpose-led. And that's what probably allows you to not feel like I'm at work nine to five because that message probably doesn't, doesn't rest and mm. doesn't sleep and it allows you to, to throw yourself into work however much you need to be able to, yeah. to succeed um, in Because my level of care is sort of like this seesaw, right? It's like sometimes that's my full driver and then there's other days where there are external pressures that make me be like, I don't care. Yeah. Or why do I bother caring when no one else is receiving this or understanding yeah. it? And I think that's the most frustrating thing, especially if you're trying to change or shake up an industry. You know, I struggle between wanting to see what everyone else is doing and then being like, I need blinkers on because if I spend too much time looking at the industry or what other brands are doing... I get so disheartened. I think, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, 
you know, maybe this is fulfilling my purpose, but it's not cutting through to anyone. Mm. And then I think, am I doing something wrong? Yeah. You know, why is this taking so long? Um, and I, yeah, I do have to spend time sort of alone or like kind of switch off to, to looking at or comparing, you Mm -hmm. know, or even viewing people as competition. Because if you do that, you know, I don't know what these other businesses, how they're set up, Mm -hmm. how much money they have behind them, how much staff they have. So it's, it's ridiculous for me to try and compare. I just need to sort of focus on what Fluff is doing. And when I do, I, I, I reconnect with that sort of care and, and purpose to why we exist. Because mm. that sounds, you know, very from a yogic philosophy idea, like there's a, there's a concept of dharma, which is essentially uh, really your soul's innate purpose. The, the closer you are to following it, then the more freedom, joy, uh, uh, engagement, you connection <laughs> you experience mm, in your life. life is. Um, and your story just really is a perfect example of it you know this feeling of i'm being pulled away from this thing that makes a lot of sense and i'm going to go over here now and and then this like weird bubbling sort of idea of like i have another brand in me and then that's like the seed of the thought and then you water it you give it a bit of sunlight and all of a sudden it starts growing and then actually what the plant that you thought you were growing is completely different to what it was it it actually has this huge mission and huge purpose Mm. behind it it isn't just about i've got a cool brand and i want people to connect with it it's actually like i'm as you said, changing the way people see themselves. And mm. I'm changing, not, not when you do that, you change how those people interact with the world. And there's this huge ripple effect that begins to go from that. Yeah. yeah. And I imagine with that comes the burden of responsibility of I'm now <laughs> not making makeup, I'm making, you know, yeah. opportunities change. for people. Yeah, <laughs> for, for men and women to, for people to see themselves differently. And, and that word focus, you said it before, becomes vital then, I imagine, mm. that we can get so distracted looking at what other people are doing. And maybe that's a message for life, not just business, right? We can get so distracted, especially in this age of social media, looking at how other people are living our lives, that it actually takes our energy and our focus away from what's in my heart, what do I love, what do I want to create yeah. in this world? Yeah. And and that feels like a really big point for, for me and for, for people listening to take away from this, that if you just keep focusing on what it is that you care about, it takes you somewhere it leads you something somewhere and the more genuinely we can do that the more it leads to as zig offers that dharmic frictionless path yeah that actually allows you to be fulfilled yeah i i said to zig i never had thought about this idea of like the dharma business plan like i would have seen spirituality and business on like opposite ends right or i can't talk about this like purpose or connection in a boardroom yeah. Or I can't talk about my P and L in a meditation class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like they're connected, right? And that's what I'm trying to like normalize or have these conversations with with people to be like, you don't have to dive into one thing too much. Like these should exist together, right? Yeah. You can make money and care about what you do. Oh yeah. You know, it's like they can go hand in hand. You don't have to be soulless to be a millionaire yeah. you know but you don't have to be poor to be, be enlightened I mean, yeah, exactly. do you know what yeah. I mean it's yeah. like I 
feel like I'm sort of in this nice point now, or my definition of success is where you sort of your head, your heart, your soul, and your wallet are aligned. Mm-hmm. So they're all being fed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because usually it's like your soul or your heart are content because you're doing charity work or something, but mm. you're making no money. Yeah. Or you're making a fuck ton of money, but you are not mm. purpose driven or there's no connection to what you do yeah. or you're not even mentally stimulated. Mm. So for me to be able to touch on all of those points, like that is my view of success but I, I struggle in that like feeling it you know I can say it to you right now but yeah. feeling it like fully living that is like a constant because it's breaking the mold me. of the messaging that yeah. we get you know in the spiritual community the, there's a big message around non-attachment to material yes. success and in our material mainstream reality it's all about material success right and and maybe at the cost of our of our spiritual emotional well-being and um, it's actually a very tantric teaching that you speak yeah, of. Seriously. That we are people that live in the world. We don't live, you know, to use the, the forever cliche in a cave somewhere on a mountain. We live in the world where there's bills to pay mm. and there's rent and we need food on the table and that costs money. And there's and relationships to manage and maybe if you want to have kids or you want to, like, you know, travel the world, all these sort of things cost things. To yeah. yeah. And I remember I was saying to Ziggy, I was like, what book should I read on Tantra? And, like, all this sort of tantric philosophy. Like, I need I need to absorb myself in it. And he's like, Eri, you're living it. Like, yeah. <laughs> your, your life is the book that you need to read. Yeah. Just, like, pay attention. And, and I was of, like, oh, okay. One of the definitions of Tantra That's is... good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the definitions of Tantra is to weave. Like, that's what it is, is to weave all these things. And, again, one of the things that came up a lot when we were talking is that I've always had an issue with this idea, as I know you both have as well, of, like, work-life balance, right? Where it's like, these things aren't separate. Your life isn't separate to your work, and your work isn't separate to your life. They Ideally. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, and, like, and generally speaking, your work is going to be where you spend most of the time in your life. And so people kind of mm. segment these things as if, like, I've got work over here and then I'll balance it with my life. It's like, no, it's actually about interweaving and balancing all of these different aspects of life so that you feel whole and there aren't, you don't feel then internally segmented and fractured based on keeping this part of you here, this part of you here. Um, Which again, which is a great lead into our third point, which is you are the one that you've been waiting for, Mm -hmm. which is very much so romantic. (laughs) Yeah, so romantic. (laughs) I know. (laughs) This Um, is a book my therapist recommended me and based on the title, I was like, Oh no! Like, I have an aversion to this kind of stuff. I'm triggered, but I try and go towards what I'm triggered now by. Um, and it's an incredible book, and it it is around those things of like the answers are there. You just need to stop. But it's like it's super confronting to be there. Like mm. I, your first podcast that you guys did, I love where you were like, we seek like validation externally. Like that's what we want to make us happy instead of being like, can I have that when I just sit. Mm. Like when I am just me mm. and, you know, outside of the successes of fluff, like, am I happy doing what I'm doing? Mm. And when I'm at my, my point of breaking or when stress builds up for me, I always ask myself like, well, well what else would I be doing? What would I rather do? Yeah. And I always kind of That's come back to like, question. this is what I want to be doing. Yeah. Maybe it's not, this is, I think the definition of stress, it's kind of like where you are and where you want to be. And just that space between yeah. wanting to shorten it and, and accepting that it's like that path is there, but we're kind of, we are where we want to be. And that's not mm. making an excuse for being complacent 
or lazy. It's mm. just like knowing that you've got this sort of plan. And to be honest, that that is actually closer to my understanding of what non-attachment is, right? Mm. Like it's not about I can't have a house, I can't have money. It's actually about, Correct. yeah, I've got an idea of what I would like my life to be like, but am I going to be so rigidly attached to that that it's actually going to cause me pain and cause me suffering? And so when I'm away from the state that I want to be in, can I just accept that? And for two days, I might just feel shit. Like life is hard. Life is only getting harder for everyone, really. It's not getting easier. It's getting more complicated, more complex, more complex and... Um, more stress-inducing. Like, not only does stuff never has stuff never costed more. Um, has it been? Have we felt kind of quite disconnected from people and to a degree ourselves? We're also constantly told and know that the planet is dying around us. All these sort of things. Like, there is there's no escape from any <laughs> yeah. of it, you know. And it's and to recognize that yeah. sometimes that's just going to feel like a lot. And just to sit there and accept it for me, that's not attachment. Not it's not about the material things. It's about the attachments you have to what you want things to be and actually accepting things for how they yeah. are. Mm. Yeah, I think, mm. I mean, there is a, a bigger, better version of fluff than right now, of course. Yeah. And one that I see and kind of aspire to. Yeah, of course. But I can't let that dominate my thought and my experience of what fluff is now, which I had this conversation today where I was like, it's in this great place, it's actually in this sort of unbreakable position where it's like we have cleared all of our liabilities and our the things that were restricting us previously and that were pulling at us Mm. Mm. like taking our energy taking our finances Mm. it's like there's actually nothing wrong of course it could be bigger and better but like right now it is it is good and stopping you from living presently too like that's the other thing you're just living in the future you're living where you want things to be opposed to where you are right now yeah and also what comes to mind for me is the power of holding that vision of like envisioning a bigger brighter even more impactful fluff and yet being able to hold the tension between where you are now as a business owner and as an organization to what you envision for yourself knowing that that tension between those two points is what's going to bring up the intuition is what's going to bring up the wisdom is what's going to allow you to get there with less rigid attachment to the outcome of like who cares how we're going to do it that's going to reveal itself but i know what i want Mm. i know the direction i'm moving in intention and i truly believe that we all have that within us because you know when i do mentoring work with people sometimes the stuckness comes from well i don't know what i want And if we challenge and we press, actually, we all do know what we want. We just don't give ourselves permission to dream it. Because the fear of not getting to that vision you've created is is great. And that fear of failure is great. And yet, like, when we can when we can allow that psychological tension that comes up, that emotion and that stress to just we notice it, but then we refocus on, but this is what my heart wants. My heart sees fluff having this impact and I'm gonna keep going in that direction. And I'd love to hear, because on the idea that, you know, you are the one that you've been waiting for and everything that you just said, I know meditation is a big part of your life and, um, and has grown even more so in the, last, um, in the last few years. But what are the ways that you, you can reconnect to yourself when you do feel like you've been pulled away from it, when the stress of the world kind of get in the way a mm. little bit and maybe there is a bit of that fear comes up? What are the sort of mechanisms or practices that you have that work for you? Mm. so yeah I think because work is such a big part of my life it you know seeps into all aspects so sometimes it's hard for me to be like am I 
frustrated in my relationship or am I just bringing my work frustrations there or vice versa? Can I not focus in work because of work or is it because I'm distracted with stuff going on with my family? Um, I find that when I give myself space, like my friends or my partner would say there's like this direct correlation between my connection to myself and my iCal. When I... (laughs) fill it up with stuff distractions I'm like not present I'm not I'm just yeah I'm not there with the people I need I'm just everywhere else Mm. um so when I stop and I kind of clear like create space and then ask the people that I really care about to give me that space and they always respect it when I just tell them where I'm at you know I feel I feel guilty or bad being like I can't see people creating boundaries yeah I Mm. I didn't really know I mean I would say in theory I knew what a boundary was but in practice (laughs) I was like what are my boundaries so that's been something I have been learning about and then yeah taking time is really good um when things come up for me like knowing when to actually voice those concerns and when I just need to sit with them Mm. and go for a walk or sleep on something Mm. um yeah, meditation is huge for me. And then going out and having a wine with friends is huge for me too. Yeah. Doing nothing is something that my friend Jess, mm, pure you know, rest. reminded me. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean doing nothing? <laughs> like, There's so much it, to do. There's so much to do. But yeah. what I realized was how much I was focused on controlling these outcomes or what was around me. But in controlling, I limit possibility and creativity, which is fundamental to what I do. Mm. So in doing nothing and going for a walk and being bored, like I think of ideas. Mm. Whereas when I try and always fill that space, like I'm trying to control how I feel or the outcome and it's just like there's no room for magic. Um, And that's such a big part of what anyone does, regardless of whether you have your own business or whether you work for someone else. Mm. So... Yeah, I think the taking time, like, for me, finding my own, like, personal routines has been really important, and especially in the morning and sort of how I set my day, those first few hours can resonate. is really important. And I, I write and I journal a lot. And, you know, a, a lot of people aren't connected, I think, to journaling because they have expectations on it. But it's like I write pages of crap, <laughs> pages. Yes. It's just like, well, but it's it's removing it from here to create space again. Yeah. And so it's really important for me. And I like looking over my journals like over the years and being like, where was I at? Sometimes I connect yeah. with that person. Sometimes I'm like, who wrote who that? Who was that? You know, but I'm glad I got it out. Yeah. Um, so, and then having conversations like this because it normalizes it and we also realize that everyone's in the same position regardless of whether or when I was at Frank Body to here it's like different levels of success come with different levels of stress yeah you know it doesn't mean that when you are you know at a, a million dollar business that you are stress free yeah. <laughs> it's just different types yeah. of stress right and so um, accepting that that it's just going to be a part of my life um, and knowing the sort of things I can do to cope with it yeah and to know that if if stress is a normal part of life so if we normalize the fact that we experience some things stressfully when we feel overwhelmed or when we're managing a lot of things having those outlets that you speak about knowing how you as an individual de-stress knowing how you create that space within yourself so more inspiration more creativity Mm. can flow 
is vital. Yeah, I think, I, like that, that I think the point about how you individually find it is so important. Yeah. I think we get presented with certain things as panaceas that work for everyone where, yeah. you know, personally, I do think meditation it does work for everyone. That's our one bias. That's the one thing, the one But, you know, whether it's yoga or walking or journaling or whatever it is that it's going to be different for every individual and and our almost premise that Izzy started with that the um, you know about how connection is bridge to fulfillment we really believe that you before you can experience true connection with other people and with the world and with the things you do you have to be connected to yourself because yeah. you have to know what those things are and and that personal investigation and that that really in my experience the belief that you are worth diving deep into yourself to know what matters to you and, and to what can help you cause more, uh, create more space in your life and everything is the greatest gift you can ever give yourself you know is that yeah. maxim of always put your own oxygen mask on yeah. before you put on someone else's because exactly. you you need that you need mm. that and and to know yourself in that way is so empowering and so freeing mm. i think for the people who are a little bit like skeptical or um have a bit of an aversion to this idea around spirituality is that I like this idea that emotions are data and they are, they're there to tell you something. Yeah. And so tuning into that and just being like, I'm feeling overwhelmed, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling angry. It's like, why? Like, what is that telling you? What's what do I need to it? do? Yeah. What do I need to shift or change? Because yeah. when you, if you look at it just from a practical sense, you know, it's telling you something. Or even for me, so it's just about paying attention. And even for me, I'm at this point now where I'm like, what is my business telling me? Like, instead of me saying, I won't do this or I will do this, it's like, let the business tell me where it needs to go. Um, and just paying attention. But we forget to do that. We get overwhelmed and distracted by everything else. Yeah. And the same again, you know, everything you say is so relevant to life, obviously, because you don't believe there's that separation <laughs> yeah. between yeah. life and work. But, you know, you speak of creating space to be with yourself. But in that space, that's how we actually hear what we love and what we want and which direction we need to go in. And we're so full of unexpressed emotions and we're so full of thoughts and pressures and other people's ideas that we actually can't get underneath it. I think think you may have said this in in a a different podcast of ours. It becomes like this sediment that that blocks you from this deep well of of goodness Mm. and of, of knowingness and you know, that idea of being connected to yourself, sometimes that can be so broad. Like it can feel like, sure, I'd love to be connected to myself, but what does that actually mean? And yeah. and how do I actually get there? And and for me, what feels relevant is, is quiet. Like stillness and quiet, however you get it. And you spoke of journaling earlier. Like that is huge for me as someone who's very cerebral. My mind can be very full with lots of ideas and and just lots of stuff. Yeah. Getting it on paper can be vital for me. And I think what blocks people from doing something like that is thinking it needs to be good. Like no, if there's any yeah, limitations yeah, yeah, yeah. around writing well, no one will ever see yeah. that. It's just getting it out of your brain to create space to hear what is in every single yeah. one of us. Yeah. And, you know, there's that idea of you're the one you've been waiting for. There's also something in that around getting back to our inner self, our inner child. Which is the perfect lead-in to the fourth point. (laughs) Perfect, go for it before I speak. When we were very young. When we were very young, yeah. like, Like so much of the work I've done in my own life and I do with other people is 
when we hit a breakthrough, when we get to a place of like a limiting belief eroding and just this settling back into, ah, I'm back. I've reclaimed a part of myself. It's always a part of yourself that's been with you since you were a very young child. It's always something that you've always loved. And it's such a funny thing that as adults, we spend our whole lives undoing all the learning, the conditioning that stopped us from the innate knowing of what we love. Yeah. Of who we are. Yeah. <laughs> of what matters yeah. to us. But we don't we don't give credit to like children. You know, yeah. we say they don't know. They all know the so things. Much more. <laughs> um yeah, and that's been a big thing for me. And I don't have a lot of memories like prior to say I think like 13 and that's been a big thing for me the last year is trying to reconnect and remember sort of my experience through therapy, through talking to my parents, through talking to my siblings and understanding that really like formative like years of my life and how that made me who I am. Because before in business, in relationships, I just be like, I am who I am. Mm. this is me and now I'm like this is why I am who I am and I actually have an opportunity to continue that or to kind of choose a different path yeah um, which is really exciting it was scary as fuck like I said lots of fear yeah but I think worthwhile like there's a lot of possibility but it's empowering as well you know it creates my personal understanding of freedom or free will is we are only as free as our own belief systems and our own habituated patterns because if we have a certain reaction that happens for like always use example like if you for some reason had some bad experiences with the color red when you were a kid and then you (laughs) see the color red that creates like some sort of learned physical physiological response and so you're limited by that like you don't have freedom over your own emotions your own physiological reactions it's got a hold on you yeah it's got a hold on you it's it's gripping you it's 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 like locking you there and um so much of what my own personal understanding of spirituality is, is actually finding a part of yourself that is stronger than those patterns, that you can actually rise above them and see them for what they are, opposed to being so lost in them that you feel overpowered and locked there. Um, And on top of that, what you can then do with it, you know, I've said to you uh, multiple times that my own definition of spirituality has got nothing to do with religion, it's got nothing to do with God, it's got nothing to do with practices. It's actually, how can I understand myself better to be of more service to more people Mm. that's it it's that simple there's nothing more than that there's no like sprinkles there's no like having to do yoga having to do this whatever it's just like i want to be the best version of myself for as many people as i can yeah um because there's a ripple effect when you're in that 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 you that version of you it's infinitely more um impactful yeah yeah, on your environment when i'm in a good place like like, fluff thrives when i am (laughs) Not That's looking after sentence. myself, not <laughs> connecting to myself. I see that reflected in my work. It's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same. I can really relate to that. And and I guess, you know, that's a difference between us and little children. As little kids, we don't know all the ways in which life can wound us, the way we can wound ourselves mm. with with um, how to the, ex- the extent to which we do or don't listen to our own hearts. Um, but there's something powerful about For me, self-mastery, for me, this is one little way I look at someone who has really mastered themselves is that they see their own growth and their own life as an adventure. They see it as like, I don't know what's coming tomorrow, but that's the whole fun of it. You're the hero of your own story sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, there's something quite um, hero's journey in that, that can life be a great adventure? Because you take kids somewhere, 
everything is adventure. Like, yeah, we can't wait to do this. And they thing. have no idea what's going on, right? What's they don't, and they, they don't care. <laughs> and and that's why we go see movies. That's we we don't want to know the ending, right? And yet somehow we're sitting here wanting to know how the ending happens yes. in our relationships, yeah, yeah. in our work, and and the whole essence of life is is not knowing, not knowing what's next, and therefore seeing the the fear as anticipation. Like a big thing for me if I'm public speaking is like that anxiety that comes, can I reframe that as excitement mm. to do something that is big, to be in front of a lot of people talking about something that I care about. It means something to you. Yeah, and can we reframe the stresses that we experience in, in, in making decisions in our lives as, okay, it's because there's infinite possibilities and actually that's exciting. I think that that we can take some responsibility for defining what the scary stuff looks like and feels like and, and reframing that. Yeah. If you knew everything, like, what What's would you point? be open to? <laughs> How boring would that be? Yeah. 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 So as we um, wrap up the podcast itself, one question we always like to ask our guests, mm-hmm. I guess, is what, where do you feel the power of connection in your life? Or where it, where have you noticed? And it could be moments, it could be a practice, mm. it could be a place you go, it whatever you it might be, connected. that you feel really, really connected. I think I feel like very connected when I am on my own and like walking, like out in nature. Like usually, if I am ever stressed or overwhelmed, and I take a minute and go off on my own or walk, like something. Again, I feel like I just find the answers sort of within myself or resolve it's like I start a walk with problems Mm. and I end it knowing Mm. um but I I do find this deep connection in people and in like shared experiences and like conversations like this Mm. when you sort of also don't feel alone Mm. so and that's kind of why I think like that's what I do like I fluff isn't about makeup for me it isn't about money it's about connecting to people like it being this vehicle to share sort of awareness thank you for joining us to stay connected subscribe to our podcast and follow us on instagram at wavelengthprojects.co to support wavelength share this podcast with friends and family and subscribe to our mailing list at wavelengthprojects.co the link to which you can find in our description there you will be able to find further resources and information on our topic and guests Thank you to Phoenix Manson for our music and production and to all the others who have supported us to make this project possible. And thank you for being here and for amplifying our frequency. We'll see you next time.